0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Resource Families Thrive from Stanford Sierra Youth and Families. This is Daniel, an outreach coordinator from Pathways to Permanency.
1: My name is Amani Myers, and I am the Resource Family uh, Trainer Specialist.
0: Welcome back, Amani. Thank you, thank you. So glad to have you back. As always, please remember to like, comment, and share on our social media posts, especially those around the podcast. I do want to make sure that we get the word out about the needs that our kids in care have. Before we get into our topic today, we will jump in in just a moment. We always want to give our new folks a little bit of a rundown of who we are as an organization. So Stanford Sierra Youth and Families is a merged agency. We've been merged for almost a year and a half. And between the two agencies, uh, Stanford Youth Solutions and Sierra Forever Families, we have over 150 years combined experience. And that is serving youth and families in the greater Sacramento region with a whole variety of services. Um, All of those services contribute to our mission.
1: And the mission is transforming lives by nurturing permanency connections and empowering families to solve challenges together so every child can thrive.
0: And right now we have office locations in, let's see if I can get this right off of memory, Roseville, Citrus Heights, Grass Valley, Sacramento, Woodland, Napa, and Placerville. I'm pretty sure that's all of them. I apologize to anyone if I forgot any of them. That's, that's the thing that comes with expansion, am I right? As we're going to be talking about holiday season today, I do want to um, shout out one of the things that our philanthropy department is doing, and that is our Compassion campaign. So you can make a difference this holiday season, and that is by contributing to the campaign. It did start in October. It runs through December 31st. And this partnership, your support, all of this engagement... It brings us one step closer to creating that community that we talk about, where every child is connected to a safe, supportive family, and that they do have the opportunity to thrive. So today's topic, uh, we are going to be rolling into the holiday season. So uh, we wanted to talk to you about, um, you know, bringing, bringing together traditions, bringing together families, what it means to be in foster care during the holiday season for our kids who are not with their first families, their biological or birth families. Imani, what does holiday season mean to you?
1: Hi, Daniel, That's a, a really, really good question and a complex one as, mm-hmm. as, as you know shared before as you know growing up in foster care it has, have, has had different meanings for me. Um, to me it's been about family, it's about spending time together, but it's also been about separation and really trying to uh, deal with sibling loss. As someone who grew up with my siblings for 12 years and then to immediately be separated from them at such an abrupt time, the traditions that I was used to having um, no longer were. Because when you go into new families, you know, there are different traditions that happen. One of the things that I can say that I'm I've been grateful for is that I grew up in um, a culture that was relative to my own, um, growing up um, Black. And um, some of those traditions are typically the same. So, you know, there's church, you know, there's food, there's all of those different things. And I would say that the difference between um, having traditional holidays and having holidays of foster care is that it brings up a lot of unknowns, brings Mm -hmm. up a lot of emotions, it brings up a lot of triggers. And so on one hand, while I was grateful to have you know, the customary traditions around going to church and having holiday food and even opening up a few gifts, I think that the aspect of family was really difficult to sort of um, put my mind around because you're still dealing with different cultural traditions. Yeah. And so as I got older, you know, you begin to form, formulate your own traditions and things like that. And so um, for me, it has been about expanding those uh, cultural traditions for me, but also incorporating my own traditions, things that were valuable to me while I grew up in foster care, things that I wish that I had, and um, being able to continue those things even with my own friends and those who've also grown up in foster care and so you know having uh you know friends given or having um, holiday dinners where you know people who are not just people who grew up in foster care but those who don't have family those who are a part of the lgbtq plus a group yeah um, which is that I'm, I'm also a part of where going home for the holidays is traditionally really difficult and being able to have a place of my own to say hey this is what we're going to do for christmas this year you know if you all want to come over if you all want to bring um, your own um, traditional foods or things that make you happy during the holidays you know, come on over and we're gonna to celebrate together.
0: Yeah, uh, you brought up the LGBT community, and it made me think of you know of current circumstances in in the time of COVID. That that connectivity piece, you know, it's something that we're seeing a lot in in this current situation. It's impacting people in a lot of different ways, and it is definitely making it so we have to have different tra- uh, traditions for ourselves. Um, for our kids in foster care or not in foster care. Um, And so there's, there's definitely a lot to unpack when it comes to holiday season. I tell families often that realistically for our kids, holiday season starts at Halloween because, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they go trick or treating and all of that. And, then immediately we flow into November, December, we start that domino effect of all of these different holidays, you know, Thanksgiving, and then right into Christmas, and then into New Year's, which is a time of celebration for a lot of people, even going around to things like Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day. So while this is our December episode, while we're talking about holiday season, all of this stuff should be thought of throughout the year. It's important to fold in culture across across the board and Amani you mentioned that you had you you were fortunate to grow up in a culture that was similar to your own so correct me if I'm wrong but I think that that the point on that is even if for instance like with your case a, a black child growing up in a black family it doesn't necessarily mean that the cultures are identical from family to family. Definitely.
1: Um, because even though, yes, even though, you know, I grew up black, like I mentioned, the thing about it is is that in different families, in black families, they hold different, you know, cultural traditions. And there are also, you know, black families who don't necessarily celebrate Christmas, may celebrate Kwanzaa, may uh not celebrate holidays at all. And so For me, um, you know, I grew up, like I said, in the church, and I grew up African Methodist Episcopal, but I was living with a family that was Pentecostal, which is very different from how I grew up, and also their family traditions. They grew up in the South. They grew up in Mississippi, and even though my family is from South Carolina, most of my family is also in Boston in the North. And so those traditions are typically different as well in terms of you know how you style certain things. And so for me, it was about not necessarily having to have that weight of being Black, but the weight of not being connected to my first family. One of the things that I was grateful for as well was that my brother, he lived downstairs with the other sister. And so we were connected in that way, but my little sister and I were not as connected as we were before. And so when you go from waking up on Christmas morning together to not, to having to actually set up a time where you go into a visitation room to have Christmas, I mean, it's a very, very different kind of experience. And, you know, one of the things that I know that we're gonna talk about too is not using Christmas as a punishment. And I even remember one year, you know, um, my foster sister and I, I'm not sure what we did, but we did something to the point where Christmas gifts were not a thing for us that year. And I remember feeling really, really um, bad about that because it was my first year entering into foster care and I was already consumed as a child with gifts and wanting gifts. And that was a sign of love for me and to not be not to be connected with my family and then not to be connected to gifts showed me in a lot of ways that I wasn't good enough, that there was something wrong with me that did not allow for that. And so having to navigate um, those holidays, especially you know for adults, we think of Christmas differently than kids and young people. And there are so many things that are at stake, especially if you're somebody who's black and brown and LGBTQ, there's so many things that sort of go into that, that you're having to navigate and so for me, it was just, you know, it was a lot of uncertainty around the holidays, which is for me has been really important for me as an adult to celebrate the holidays even more because mm-hmm. I feel like I missed out on so much as a young person.
0: I think that this is something that that some of the families that we have might experience as well. So I grew up with my first family. My parents are my biological parents, and yeah. so I can tell people very solidly what my traditions are. We have a Christmas tree. We have a fairly traditional Christmas dinner that typically involves turkey and mashed potatoes and cranberry sauce and stuffing and some form of pie. And we watch, uh, my my mom and I always watch at least one of these movies, but sometimes two, and that's White Christmas and Holiday Inn. Always. While we make Christmas cookies, typically. If we haven't already made the cookies (laughs) and there's always something under the tree, even as an adult, you know, they, my parents make sure that there's something under the tree, at least for me.
1: It also brings
0: up, uh, you mentioned that gift giving piece was really important to you and it makes me think of things like love languages Mm -hmm. and how that can be, you know, we, we're talking a lot about culture and everything. Part of your internal culture, the way you communicate affection and something that's really important to know when you have a child that was not born to you in your home is how they communicate their love and affection.
1: Mm-hmm. And how they receive it.
0: Mhm. Oh, my My receptive love language is not gift giving. It's quality mm-hmm. time. I like to spend time. Yep. I love that time with my parents and my brother. And... Otherwise, like gift giving for me. Sure, I like shiny objects and it's a lot of fun, but also. For me, it really is about the togetherness.
1: Yes, yes. And I think that's so important that you hit on, you know, love languages, because that, that that's something that we don't always talk about, even in adulthood. And it's really like what you said about how you receive and how you reciprocate love. And oftentimes we reciprocate love in the ways that we want to receive it and so for me giving you a gift may not be you know the most exciting thing for you versus me saying hey Daniel you want to go out and get some coffee together and spend some time together that's something that you might appreciate even more and I think Mm -hmm. that it's so important to also you know shine that light for our young people because sometimes gifts are not the thing that they want because they're so used to having to um, move around where they have may not have been able to connect with their things, but spending quality time together is something that is important for them or even acts of service, you know? And so I think that is super important to also know and to understand what a child needs and also to not ignore that everyone has had most, not not everyone, but a lot of people have been connected to their first families before they were removed, mm-hmm. whether that be, you know, with grandparents, whether that be with an aunt and uncle, whether that be with a sibling. And it's also important to tune in and to ask what for them was important. Yeah. And not erase that for them. Because the thing that I think about that has always stuck with me was, you know, I, like I said, I grew up, like I grown up in foster care. I had the unique opportunity. I had the unique um, experience of growing up in kinship care, growing up in foster care, and also being connected with my mom. And I remember my first Christmas with my mom, I remember I was a fanatic of Cabbage Patch dolls. And we directed decorated the tree. We had hot cocoa. She even allowed us to open up a gift at midnight, which was super exciting. And we did all those things when we woke up early, you know, because as a little kid, I was up bright and bushy tailed at 6 a.m. And we were all up, you know, and we got to open our gifts. And I just remember the feeling of opening up um, Cabbage Patch dolls, feeling as though that she heard me, that she saw me, that mm-hmm. she knew exactly what I wanted, even though I had been in her care for less than a year. And that memory has stuck with me forever. And it's important to also open up those conversations to ask young people, what what was it like? And doing it in a way that allows them to share how much or how little. Because we also have to remember that the holiday seasons are not always as bright and shiny as we would like them to be. Yeah, They also bring up very painful memories. And then if you have loss that accompanies that, that makes it more difficult. And then if you also have, uh, young people who are not religious or who do not celebrate holidays, how do you also work with that with families who may celebrate? How do you bring the two together? And I think it's about hmm. not erasing anyone's cultures or anyone's traditions, but how do you bring them together in a way that works for everyone around?
0: And how do Having you the- new traditions?
1: Exactly, yes. And, and And making new traditions correct and connecting those traditions because You know, the other thing for me was growing up in foster care and going into another home, you know, um, she put all of our bags, I mean, I loved unwrapping my gifts, but because there were so many kids in the home, she actually had all of our gifts in um, big, huge uh, garbage bags. And I know this sounds like really like weird, but as a child and seeing the big, huge bag of all sorts of things, being able to go and run into to open that bag and to go through and find all these gifts was also really amazing. And being able to put up the tree with their family was also really nice. But again, it's about how do you make sure that your traditions of your traditions of the holidays are, you know, being recognized, but also making sure that you're creating, creating new traditions that work for everyone
0: around. I think that there's this myth that, that a lot of people have and including those that aren't actually started in the process of becoming a resource family yet that our kids who are in foster care only have bad memories that Hmm. they don't have good memories of things. And so they have to show these kids the good things about Christmas, the good things about Thanksgiving all the good, the good, the good from their perspective. And -hmm. I think what gets lost in that good intention that the families have is that maybe the holiday season, maybe Christmas or Kwanzaa or um, Hanukkah or whichever holidays they might celebrate were a really key time for their first family to come together. That Mm -hmm. just because a child who has entered foster care uh, experience some form of trauma doesn't mean that every single moment was traumatic.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think that um, it's really good that you bring that up because it then allows also the families that are supporting these young people to also take a little bit of pressure off yourselves that kids can be complicated, but kids are also simple, you know. Um, yeah. And the thought of just recognizing something about them recognizing something about their first family asking them how they feel and not assuming is a really good start to be at because then you put in your mind that this kid had this such horrible and difficult time that you miss out on all the things that they may be able to bring in to add into holidays Mm -hmm. you know and being able to do that together. And so, for me, you know, as a whole, Christmas, I can't say that the holidays um, have been, you know, tragic or have been um, a place of this complete devastation. It hasn't been that. Mm -hmm. I would say that the things that I've had to navigate, and even as an adult, even now, is the emotions behind it. And it's about helping young people regulate their emotions and be in tune with their emotions asking them what this means for them.
0: It's those, it's those little traditions to maybe, as I mentioned earlier, it's not just about the holiday season as we think about it, mm-hmm. as we think of Thanksgiving and Christmas. There are traditions that span throughout the year that maybe our kids already have. And one really crucial way that families can get to know that also is building a relationship with that child's first family. Where yep. available, uh, when possible, which is far more often than not, to yes. ask the birth parents, ask mom and dad, what is important for you that we carry over. What? How can we celebrate your family in this too? Because yes. it's co-parenting. This is yes. all co-parenting.
1: It is, and it's about uh, collective collectivity as well and collaboration. And I think that one of the things that you brought up, is, which is so important, is that even for the first families, I can't imagine how difficult it is for them on the other end of it of not being connected with their children during the holidays and what comes up for them. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, what does the agency do to help mitigate some of those? And, you know, I know that, you know, there's supervised visits and all sorts of those things that happen. But you know, connecting with the first family and asking, you know, what is, what is it like for them? What can they do? You know, um, what sorts of traditions that they have done or that they've wanted to do? How can they incorporate, you know, their families on that day? And I know that, you know, this year, you know, I know a lot of people are going to be Zooming. A lot of people are going to be doing drive-bys, you know. Um, And so what are ways that you can make those things special? I know that, Some people do Christmas caroling and all of those different things. And so being creative and coming together and thinking about how to um, make sure that both families, you know, feel supported during this time. And it's not necessarily on the uh, resource families to do that for the first families, but also as an agency, what do we do Mm -hmm. to make sure that birth families are connected in that way as well?
0: And there have been times in the past when I used to do supervised visits when we would flex visit times around the holiday season, get them, if if we couldn't do things on the holiday, if we couldn't have it on Christmas, on Thanksgiving, especially because our agency is closed and we don't typically work those days, mm-hmm. then how close can we get things? And there have been times when we've been flexible with things like location. So I remember... Uh, one one circumstance where I was I had the distinct honor of going to um, one of my client's extended family's homes. Um, it was at his aunt's house, and his whole extended family was there, and his mom was there, and I got to be there for a visit, watching their traditions, seeing this family. Yeah. It was such a cool experience for me. Um, and it was the day before Thanksgiving, so we were able to to make sure that that family was able to visit to see each other for to celebrate this this big family holiday and wow. There were other visits that I did on Christmas Eve as close as we could get to Christmas, so that way um, the kids could celebrate Christmas with their mom or dad. Um, and so as yeah. an agency, we try our best to be as flexible as we possibly can always yeah. within parameters like we have to follow state and county guidelines on things there are some things that we're not allowed to flex yes um, and that flexibility is all the more important now you know in, in a normal time those are things that we can do but now it might be that there's just floating the idea out there i want to be very clear but maybe there's an extra phone call maybe yeah. there's an extra facetime or zoom on on some holiday morning um, so that way families and kids can be more connected, especially when there is so much disconnect in the world right now. Yeah.
1: And one of the things that you brought up, Daniel, that I really want to also stress is the importance of not just flexibility, but also empathy and selflessness. Because I'm sure for you, you know, the minute that, you know. It gets closer to the holidays, you know, people are out, you know, because, you know, they have things to do and they have, you know, family to connect to. And so the fact that you spent that time on Christmas Eve or the time that you spent the day before Thanksgiving to go and be with that child and connect with that family also shows that level of selflessness on your end. And that is something that I have felt being in care through my caseworkers, is that I get that sense of, oh, they care, that they're going the extra step, even though to me that sounds a bit normal, that that's something that somebody should do, but it doesn't always happen. And so the fact that you went and did that, you know, that doesn't just show the reflection on you, but as an agency, what the agency cares about and how the agency goes about that. And so your uh effort um not only matters but it also reflects how young people see themselves how the families see themselves how they see you and how that gives people more of an opportunity to want to be even more connected and so that gesture right there it might have been small to you but on the family's front and on the young person's front I'm sure that was a big deal because that's something that truly mattered to me was that the people that I was connected to, my caseworkers, my social workers, all of those people, my teachers, and the extra miles that they went around the holidays for me.
0: And our families, you know, our, our resource parents can be a big part of that connectivity as well. There was uh, one circumstance where, with with some visits that I used to to monitor, where the resource parent actually said, I have a really good relationship with this mom. And Halloween is, is their, their holiday. Mom made the costumes for the kids every year. It's what they did. Mom was real crafty. And so the resource parent said, I would like for her to be able to go trick-or-treating with us so she can still be there. What do we have to do to make that work? And that was such a beautiful moment because you know we we contacted the county social worker. We said, "Hey, this is this is where things are right now. This is um, what the family, the resource parent, is requesting." And so, how do we make that happen? And I was so excited when uh, the the county social worker said, "Yeah, if they're working really well together, they've got that relationship." And this is important. This is a way for these kids and this mom to stay connected. And so there was no staff member there. The The resource mother took the kids trick-or-treating with mom there too. And, and so it's wow. just them getting to hang out. Yeah. And I
1: think that that level of advocacy and allyship is also really important because sometimes for our first families, they get looked at as they're the main problem and to see that she understood how important Halloween was for this child not just because of trick-or-treating but because mom makes costumes and to advocate for that not only helped her but helped the child and the children and also the mom and um, having that sense of allyship and advocacy to ask for those things, and it wasn't a problem. It was something that she wanted to do, mm-hmm. and so um, that is really cool to hear because I know that, especially when it comes to holidays and when it comes to different traditions, I I know that it's become a lot more flex. But you know, during when I was in care, you know, you had to go get permission through everything, and through that. A lot of foster parents did not want to ask because of that that whole bureaucracy thing that you had to go through. Mm-hmm. And to that we're now putting more trust, you know, into our families is so important because these are the things that matter, you know, big or small. They have a huge impact. So yeah, thank you for sharing that.
0: I actually just remembered You know, it's funny because you you don't think about things for a long time and and you kind of put them out of your mind a bit. But I kind of just remembered that those kids wound up getting reunified with their mom like two days before Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah. And I wonder how much of the resource uh, family asking for that permission for her to be around during the um, during Halloween I wonder how much that also impacted her in order to do what she also needed to do. I'm sure that made things a lot easier, mm-hmm. you know, instead of making it even more difficult, you know, because I know that, that can also lead to if That didn't happen. Especially if that was something you do every year and then all of a sudden it stops. Mm-hmm. That can also bring on an onset of depression, anxiety, all sorts of things. And so, even those small things help mitigate some of those bigger challenges. And so that's amazing. And that's Mm -hmm. just one of so many different examples that happen and can still happen.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's understanding the importance of how these things go into family, how these things contribute themselves to our kids memories and uh, making sure that their memories are, are of their traditions also being honored maybe they can't think about it in that in those terms but knowing oh yeah I I was living with this other person but we still went trick-or-treating with mom yeah and at the same time always understanding there's a potential for having first experiences too yes there's always the chance that you know, in a different situation that that could have been the kids' first time trick-or-treating. Yes. Uh, This could be their first Christmas tree. Um, Yes. Their first time going to the Fab 40s to check out the lights. You mentioned earlier not using the holidays as punishment. And I think that that is one of the biggest things that I would talk to families about when when I was doing a lot of the training was you don't know if this child, the only thing that they looked forward to was Mm trick-or-treating. So when a family would say, well, they failed their math test, so they don't get to go trick-or-treating. My pushback would be why, what does the math test have to do with trick-or-treating?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I think you bring up a a really good point. Um, You know, like I said, I mentioned growing up with my great aunt and every year, she would have a Christmas a big Christmas party and it was filled with all family members and lots of food and it was something that I looked forward to every year and um one year I um I believe I was being disrespectful or something but it didn't warrant me not being able to go to this Christmas party that I looked forward to and um I wasn't allowed to go that year and I just remember my entire family being really upset about that because I didn't understand why wasn't it that I could go and that was something that I wish that I would have pushed back harder on because the following years my great aunt she ended up uh, getting dementia so the parties never happened anymore after that and so you never know what you're taking a young person away from and um It's about making sure that the discipline is in line with that behavior. And also at the same time, understanding that around the holidays, behaviors can also increase Mm -hmm. because of the emotions that come up. Mm -hmm. And being extra gentle around that time is also really, really important. And so, yes, holidays are not and should not be a form of punishment. Everyone... serves and has the right to celebrate in the way that feels most meaningful to them. And you don't get an opportunity or chance to be able to take that away from someone.
0: And always understanding the root of, of any behaviors that might come up. You know, we talk about behaviors and people get really worried about behaviors when they're getting into foster care, when they're getting their, um, their first child into their home. You know, one, one big concern is behavior, behavior, behavior. What do I do mm-hmm. when this child has behaviors? First and foremost, what child doesn't have behaviors at some point? I was a stinker when I was a kid. At the same time, what you said, all of those emotions that are flooding around, we might not know if what that child is experiencing is grief and loss because they're not with mom and dad for their, their typical family times. Maybe their Memorial Day barbecue, their Labor Day swim party with the mm-hmm. neighborhood Uh, Or yes, Christmas, Thanksgiving. We don't know if maybe those times, because let's face it, holidays can be really stressful for a lot of families. Maybe those times were harder times than what we would view as typical. And kids experienced more difficulty, more trauma, more hurt in those times. And so understanding that those memories come up, the good and the bad. That yeah. I have witnessed kids self-sabotage because in their history they were taught sometimes that they weren't good enough to get the holiday. So yeah. why should they get it now when they're mm-hmm. even though they're living with this other person, but that doesn't make any sense, they don't deserve it. They're going to act out to not have it.
1: Yeah. And also to really reflect on change. That mm-hmm. change for anyone, it could be abrupt. It can be smooth. It can be all of those things. And so how we navigate change is really important because things are changing for everyone. And, you know, COVID is an example of that for this Mm -hmm. year that even for so many of us this year, we have the added stress that holidays are not going to be the same as they may have been in the previous years. Mm -hmm. And so how are we changing our environment? How are we changing our traditions? How are we changing our attitudes towards this day? And we are all experiencing it and feeling it. And then to think about what that means for those who are LGBTQ plus A, those who grew up in foster care, those who are currently in foster care, and those who are disconnected, mm-hmm. you know, those disconnected, homeless, all of those pieces. And um, recognizing that we can be a part of this change in a way that's going to be you know, self-soothing, or it's going to be really abrupt. And recognizing that we have the ability to, like you said, create first, you know, because sometimes the change that we don't think that we need it is actually what we need it.
0: My big piece of advice to resource parents and to those considering this and exploring becoming resource parents are to really think about Maybe things they haven't tried in the holiday season and things that they could try, could do, uh, ways that they can explore other holidays, even if they don't have a child in their care yet, like starting that exploration, starting to feel out where their comfort zone is and doing new and different things. And so I think that that would be my advice to potential resource families, Amani, what advice do you give to the families that you train, or what advice would you give to families that are thinking about becoming resource parents?
1: Most definitely, one of the things that we talk about when we are training, especially around you know um, traditions and holidays and cultural competencies, we always like to ask the potential parents to look internally. What was it like for them? you know, to have holidays and traditions and what was it, what were the, what was their experiences? Because they themselves may have not also had traditions or grew up with holidays in a ways that other people have. And so being able to look internally about the things that they may have wanted, the things that they may have needed, are it's about coming together and being able to do that with young people. And so I would say that it's important to look internally. To think about what is it that you would have wanted? What is the things that you would have needed? What are the things that you would have liked? And to explore that with the young person that you're with. Because bringing two ideas together can be a cause for an amazing bliss. And also recognizing that you don't have to do it alone. That you have the agency. You have the support of other resource parents who are going through this process with you. Mm -hmm. You have first families, you know, and being able to, and then you have the young people who are in, who are in your care. And so you don't have to do this alone. You're not doing this alone and making sure that, you know, young people are a part of the process is the most important thing that helps not only give them agency in what it means to celebrate the holidays or not, but it gives you an opportunity to learn something new about them and for them to learn something new about you and to bring those together. And that's where it begins.
0: That's what the holidays are supposed to all be about, right? Is, is where things begin.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Most definitely. So I guess that's a good point at which, uh, we can, we can end things out here. Um, you know, to all of our resource families and, and possible resource families. I hope there are a lot of people thinking about this, especially, you know, especially right now when it is a season of giving, it's a season of thanking, it's a season of, of contemplating. And so I, I, as always, encourage people to contemplate reaching out, asking us questions about how to get started and become a resource family. And if you are not ready for that, Um, how you might be able to get involved in other ways like mentoring with our Wonder Mentors.
1: If you'd like to learn more, feel free to visit our website at ssyaf.org. And you can also contact us by phone at 916-368-5114.
0: So for everyone out there, I hope you have a happy holiday. Thank you again, Imani, and as a quick reminder once again, like, comment, and share on our posts. Ask us questions. I would love to answer those in the next episodes, and until we get to talk to you again, keep on thriving.
1: See ya.